the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Welcome and thanks for once again tuning in to a brand new episode here at Sake On Air, the world's very first podcast dedicated entirely to expanding the dialogue around Japan's iconic beverages of sake and shochu. My name is Justin Potts, one of your regular hosts here on the show. And as always, we are bringing this to you with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association. Back in episode 51, we explored the hard work that was being invested in restoring what are called kiyoke, the large-scale traditional wooden tanks that basically transformed sake brewing in the Edo period. But using kame in brewing, has been completely abandoned for the past couple hundred years, that is, until now. Similar to the historical vessels that have been used in brewing all around the world, earthenware pots, or kame as they're referred to in Japan, were long the standard containers where fermentation took place. Kame jikomi, brewing in earthenware pots, quite long ago was already a thing of the past. But in hopes of restoring brewing traditions, a pair of breweries have recently managed to bring Kamejikomi back to life. Across a pair of episodes featuring these two breweries, we'll hear about how this exciting challenge is being realized. For this first session, we'll be hearing from Mr. Ken Kojima, who represents Kojima Sohonte, makers of Toko brand sake, as well as both the Retsu and Kojimaya labels. And so with that, let's get started with our interview with Mr. Ken Kojima at Kojima Sohonte. So uh, thank you very much uh, for making time for this interview, Mr. Kojima. I'm really excited to learn about this new project, reviving um, traditional um, uh, Bizen uh, pottery for brewing. I'm looking forward uh, to learning more about that. Um, so could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your brewery? The history of the brewery and maybe tell us um give us a little idea of the sort of the styles of sake that you um make yes uh hello and uh thank you for inviting me to this interview and uh my brewery is kojima sohonten founded in 1597 and the 13th oldest brewery in japanese uh, breweries sake breweries and we, we are located in Yonezawa, in Yamagata Prefecture. Uh, it's very snowy place. And, uh, uh, you know, this year we have uh, so much of snow. Uh, it's very tough for us. Uh, but uh, uh, this uh, snowy uh, climate is one of our characters. And uh, we make sake in this very uh, chilly place. Uh, our sake brand is Toko. Uh, toko means uh, like a sunrise sake of Yonezawa uh, because uh, our brewery is located at the east side of Yonezawa Castle, the direction of sunrise. Oh, that's, that's a lovely, a lovely story behind the brand as well. And do you make any other brands? Do you have like an older brand that you make together with Toko? Uh, we have two other brands. One, one brand is Retsu. Uh, it's a much more drier style rather than Toko. And 
uh, another brand is Kojimaya. Uh, it's a bit more different style of low, low alcohol, light taste, and uh, has a complexity. It's, it's kind of a new challenging of our brand. And uh, the, the characteristic of our sake is, uh, I mean, aromatic and fruity and uh, has density of umami. Because, uh, you know, low temperature and long-term fermentation makes sake aromatic. And uh, we used to be, a, I mean, we are the purveyor for uh, whiskey family, uh, the Lord, with Lord whiskey family. Uh, so uh, we, our sake is not only for local consumers, but used to be for um, the, uh, the sake for uh, uh, Lord, like a king of this area. So that's our history. And uh, uh, my name is Ken Kojima. Uh, I'm a 24th generation of the brewery, a family-owned brewery. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, the, the climate that gives you is like perfect for doing like a low temperature fermentation, a long fermentation, which gives you very um, aromatic flavor profiles. Um, how do you produce the umami in the sake though? Is that, do you, what do you change in the process? Uh, we take about uh, 52 or 53 hours for koji making, and uh, this long term of koji making gives us the umami. That makes sense. Okay, understood. Okay, um, so today I'd like to focus mainly on the project, uh, your, your Kameji Komi project, which is reviving the uh, very old fashioned uh, Bizen pottery. Um, so, can you tell me what was the inspiration for this new project? And what is the objective of this project? Uh, Awakura, uh, my brewery, was founded when the sake was still made in the clay, clay vessel, uh, Kame. Uh, and uh, we actually still have uh, one of the vessels left uh, from the you know, uh, beginning of our history. It was the uh, source of uh, the in inspiration. And uh, I, at the first moment, I thought about using that vessel to brusake itself uh, by itself but but you know um it's very a uh, big thing if we break it uh, when we brusake so uh i stopped to use the original vessel uh, but uh it was it was at the time that we got to know uh, mr matsui uh, a business where artist and uh, Matsui-san likes sake and wanted to brew sake uh, using his own vessel. So um, uh, we started the project to make sake by uh, Matsui-san's vessel. And so the, the, the kind of um, the inspiration for starting this project was you just kind of, who, who thought about this idea? How did you come with, up with this idea? Um, why was it kind of, why was the timing right last year for, for starting this project? Yes, yeah, so, um, I mean, I think uh, the original inspiration was like, a, uh, it was like a Georgia wine and uh, old fashioned uh, Italian wine, uh, the Amphora. Uh, actually, uh, some brewery started to use Amphora for their, uh, you know, limited, uh, edition of sake making, um, but uh, I was not interested in using the imported vessel. But uh, uh, when I when I see uh, you know our original uh, vessel from Bizen, 
yeah, I already started started to think to make sake with that. Okay, so there was kind of like there was other brewers in the background starting to make sake in the amphora, and then you decided that is something that you would like to do as well, but you would like to do it with a traditional Japanese um, vessels. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to try our uh, you know the beginning of origin of our history. Okay, and um, I understand you. So you're using uh, bizen ware, bizen pottery. Now, Bizen is a pottery style that originates in Okayama Prefecture. I was just wondering, does um, Kojima Sohonten have any actual links with Okayama Prefecture? And why, why did you decide to do it with Bizen um, as opposed to other styles of pottery? Uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, the original clay vessel we have uh, that uh, there was a Bizen ware pot. Uh, so uh, our origin is from Bizen Ware Pot, and uh, it is believed that uh, it was carried from Okayama Prefecture by a merchant ship in the Sea of Japan. Uh, the name is Kitamae Bune. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, they're very famous for carrying yeah, yeah, sake yeah, yeah. around Japan, right? Yeah. And uh, Bizen was the, one of the very major potteries at the time. And uh, I think the Bizen ware was widely used from the, you know, as a material of sake making at the time. And, um, and I'm not sure if it's, it's, you know, the reason or not. I mean, our roots, the Kojima family, roots of Kojima family was Shiga Prefecture. Uh, we used to be a Omi merchant. So, um, at the beginning of our history, maybe uh, the I mean, first generation of Kojima family uh, was very familiar with the uh, Western side of it, you know, culture. So uh, that could be another reason. Okay, interesting. So have you, have you uh, purchased or have you sourced any other pots? Um, uh, we, we bought three new pots from Matsui-san. Oh, ah, okay, okay. And he, he made that for us. Ah, I see. I understand. And were you involved with the design of these pots? Like, did you get to sort of, did he, did you kind of go and visit him and, and put forward some ideas or did you just kind of leave the design, the creation of the pots up to Matsui-san? Uh, I visited Matsui-san's place uh, twice or three times and he came to my place uh, once or twice and, he, you know, actually uh, uh, he checked our original pot and he realized that uh, that was the you know very uh, typical style of uh, Bizen ware pot from 400 years ago, and uh, it was used so many times and used and washed, used and washed. So the texture of the surface was much more smoother than you know brand new ware pot. That the typical traditional style was the style. Uh, the same way the style of Matsui-san. So uh, he, yeah. actually he made almost same style of ware pot and a three new one. I see, I see. Does having a rough surface it, it, um, impact the sake brewing? Is that better for sake brewing or? Um, um, you know? I'm not sure for the sake brewing, but uh, uh, it's, it's much more difficult for us to wash that. <laughs> Ah, I see. So it, it's all about the washing, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's difficult. And uh, I mm -hmm. see, I see. How how have the brewers found um, brewing in the in the um, Bizen ware pots? 
what kind of feedback have you received from the brewers about that experience? Um, another point uh, we concerned about is that you know um, the liquid might come through the well pot. I mean, because um, right, right, a lot of well pot is covered by coating and like a glass coating. But uh, uh, the business doesn't have something like that. So, uh, you know, so the business has a tiny spot, so many tiny spots on itself. So um, we thought that uh, the liquid might be go, you know, go through to outside. And um, yeah, actually, when we make, made sake, uh, it was not so much as uh, we expected, but, uh, you know, slightly we felt, you know, the surface of the web pod was wet at the first moment. So um, mm -hmm. it's not completely, uh, you know, it's not really completely shut down, shut out, but, uh, you know, just a bit of sake went to come out actually. Oh, really? Okay. So you had a bit of a leakage, a little bit of a leakage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And have you changed, like, have you changed any of the equipment or the tools, like, for example, that you use to stir the pot or, um, for example, if you normally use like metal tools or um, wooden tools, have you, have you changed any of those tools? Have you had to change any of those tools rather? Uh, yes. Um, actually, uh, we bought a new wooden barrel almost at the same time uh, with vessels. Uh, uh, and uh, our main container of sake making is Horo, uh, and the grass coating steel tank. Horo, the enamel, the enamel tank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so now we have uh, three types of uh, tanks and vessels, wooden barrels, yeah. So the wooden ones, the, you, you got the kyoke? Yes, kyoke. Okay, so you have Kyoke and you have the Kame as well. Mm -hmm. now. Oh, very cool. Are there any plans to make the pots in Yamagata Prefecture in the future or use native Yamagata pottery? I guess not because you have respect for this artist, Matsui-san, who you've been using, but are there any plans to maybe replicate this project but, but use Yamagata pottery instead? As you expect, uh, we, are not, we have no plan to use Yamagata web pot. But uh, uh, I know uh, some art artists are in Yamagata uh, and the technique was from Shigaraki Artisan. And uh, some uh, winery of Yamagata use uh, amphora from the artist in Yamagata uh, from uh, Shigaraki technique. So um, if someday uh, I, plan to use Yamagata Wellport, I will talk with him. Wonderful. So there's possibility in the future. And uh, what type of sake are you making using the, um, the Bizen pots? How did you approach building the recipe for the sake? And um, what were the kind of early stages in brewing that style? At the first year, uh, we made uh, orthodox, I mean, uh, it's kind of similar with our uh, style, but uh, it's not like a, a aromatic style, but uh, a bit more um, the modest uh, traditional style of sake. And um, 
writes for the Kameji Gomi. He was a Kameno from Yamagata Prefecture because it is the most um, old uh, rice variety from this prefecture and uh, one of the very uh, traditional style of uh, sake variety of east side of Japan. And we blend it uh, just a bit of uh, eating rice from a special rice field from uh, Uesugi family. Uh, the reason is that uh, I wanted to uh, be with uh, the history of this area. And, uh, uh, and also I, I'd like to uh, compare uh, with our usual style uh, and it was the difference between uh, tanks and uh, udon vessel. So um, we, we're gonna change uh, the recipe in future, I think, but uh, the first year uh, we made that, that style of sake. And did you do, is it Kimoto? Uh, yes, it was Kimoto. Yeah, okay. I remember reading reading that. And and uh, the product, the first product that you, the product that you released last year is named after the period in history, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Azuchimomoyama. Azuchimomoyama. And can you explain the, the reason behind why you named the product after that period in history? Tell us a little bit about that period in history and, and what kind of link it has with the project. As I said, uh, we are the 13th oldest sake brewery. Uh, and uh, so many sake brewery has long history, like 100 years, 200 years or something like that. But uh, uh, only 17 brewery started uh, before the Edo era, uh, like uh, right. Azuchi Momoyama or Muromachi or something like that. And so, um, I think uh, it is one of the uh, expressions that uh, we started from uh, before Edo era. So um, I wanted to put the name of period or uh, like a similar nuance of name. And, uh, I, and uh, I found out that uh, we can put uh, Atsuchi Momoyama and uh, you know, protect the name by a trademark, so um, yeah, I I think uh, you know it's very simple and easy to understand. <laughs> uh, it's very important. Yeah, yeah, and of course, you know, it's kind of um, returning to the roots of the brewery and also making sake in a way in which sake was made back in that time, right? Using the traditional vessels and uh, um, some old-fashioned brewing techniques as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what happens to the pots when brewing is completed? What, what, what do you plan to do with the pots after this project is uh, over? Um, uh, we'd like to uh, try uh, the other recipe. Uh, I mean, uh, a bit more a traditional side of recipe. Uh, okay. Actually, uh, this year we made sake with uh, uh, this vessel and um, Found out so many things and uh, about taste. Um, I mean, we when just uh, when right after we pressed the sake, uh, we felt yeah. uh, kind of a earthy taste, earthy uh, I mean, nuance from the sake. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it is like a clay and uh, I mean 
the aroma of tray and acidity as some uh, something uh, clay kind of acidity and uh, oh interesting yeah and uh, feeling uh, tasting a uh, kind of stone but uh, yeah. after a few months or uh, half an year of uh, aging uh, it was almost uh, you know covered with umami of sake itself and uh, much more uh, I mean balanced yeah well balanced yeah yeah so um, uh, yeah, it was it was a, the big point that you know um, I we are worried that uh, the taste of the tray vessel itself mm. is too much and uh, break the balance yeah, of yeah. sake, but uh, it was not so much, and uh, uh, the hint of the vessel was very interesting. So um, we will uh, step. Uh, we will go forward to the next step, I think. Okay, so this project is just the beginning of something much bigger. And uh, so far, it's been a success. So actually, you know, this this project has quite a, a bright future. I'm excited to see where you go with it. And are you going to be using the, the Kame uh, for storage? Um, because, uh, so you have Kyoki. Do you use the Kyoki for storing the sake? Um, do you age any sake? And, and have you tried aging any sake in the... The kame. Obviously, even if you have, I know that you wouldn't really be able to see the results until you know a few years later. But um, just wondering, you know, if that's kind of something which you've been considering or have tried. Uh, currently, uh, we we don't think to store sake with a vessel and also a kioke because uh, uh, we're not we uh, we don't want to oxidize sake after pressing. So. Um, so we don't store sake in vessels and kyoki. Yeah, because you're making you're making very aromatic profiles, and you know they don't really lend so well to oxidation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we have uh, another brand. Uh, our main brand is Toko, and we have another brand, Kojimaya. And uh, Koji some product from Kojimaya line has a uh, sake from cedar barrel aged. Oh, okay. Uh, this experience we did that. And, uh, um, you know, uh, the cedar barrel gives so, um, I mean, so strong aroma to sake itself. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't have so, it doesn't need so long time, like uh, oak casks. Yeah. So um, we have to be very careful to, you know, take balance of uh, cedar aroma and the sake taste itself. So it doesn't overpower it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, ha have you or the brew or your brewing staff um, found anything easier? Like you know, found that brewing in these pots actually makes it a certain part of the process easier. Uh, I don't think easier point was so much. <laughs> uh, mm, more challenging. Yeah, it, it's much yeah. more challenging. I and mean, you know, the, yeah. especially, uh, you know, the washing uh, the vessel, yeah. a very rough surface was uh, so uh, tough work for our brewery yeah. uh, staffs. And 
we don't have any holes or cocks under the vessel. That's, that was just a vessel, uh, not for uh, any uh, equipment for brewing. So uh, right. we have to um, pour out the liquid by our hand or by uh, pumps. Right, yeah. right. Because with a normal tank, you would attach like a hoses and, uh, and, and things, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you can, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something I never thought about, but yeah, that's quite that's quite a big challenge, isn't it? When brewing in those pots. Uh, are there any plans to export the sake? And what potential do you think these kind of uh, projects or products have for the overseas market? Uh, the first edition was exported to Chinese mainland and Hong Kong. And uh, we shared the sample with uh, America, the partner in America. Uh, yeah. But uh, the US need time to, you know, uh, register the item to the country. So uh, it's, it's not yet, but uh, uh, from Chinese market, uh, we are waiting for the reaction after, you know, they're saying to consumers. Yeah, that was my next question, actually. How has how the response been to the project? And, and why do you think that is? How have local people and consumers uh, responded? Uh, the local people are, um, I mean, we received uh, a few letters from local people. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's uh, nice. they were uh, impressed with the uh, history and the connection of uh, local stories. For sake lovers, uh, maybe I think uh, the story or technique of the uh, Kameji Gomi might be more interesting, but uh, for yeah. you know, the other you know, people drink sake or you know, somebody doesn't drink sake, uh, feel some you know, emotion uh, from a very old brewery makes uh, historical sake again. Mm. No, I think it's a, a fantastic project. And, uh, you know, preserving these kinds of traditional crafts is incredibly important for the next generation, mm -hmm. as well as the current generation. And what, what are the benefits, though, do you think this kind of project has um, in the short term or in the long term? Yeah, uh, I think it is important to express that, you know, sake is not just a delicious drink, but a culture mm -hmm. with a long history. So it is not something that can be mass produced or uh, made cheaply, but uh, it is more important to increase the value of sake and uh, you know, increase the way of enjoying it by expressing this culture. Absolutely. And a lot of these art forms are dying out in Japan, right? So it's very important to make sure that they don't die out and um, find a new way to, to kind of, uh, you know, introduce these these art forms to people. Mm, I think so, yeah. yeah. How, is the, how is this artist, uh, Matsui-san, uh, like, so his normal business is not making pots for breweries, right? So mm -hmm. um, kind of what was his reaction when you went to him and suggested this idea initially? Actually, it was very interesting. You know, uh, some of my friends uh, introduced Matsui-san to me uh, when yeah. I, think to make sake with a web pot. And uh, 
when when I see Matsui-san at first time, uh, actually, you know, it was not first time. We saw uh, two or three years ago at the sake event. So Matsui-san is a big sake lover. So um, he was thinking for a long time, he wants some brewery to make sake by his webot. So uh, he was waiting for a long time. So you were you were there, you know, you were just the person he'd been waiting yeah. to come and, and and bring, you know, this idea yeah, actually, to him. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Because I guess, you know, he's a massive lover of sake and also he's looking for other ways to introduce his art form to people and keep his art form alive. Yeah. So uh, the Matsui-san is very interesting person. Uh, he used to be a, a salesperson of stock company until uh, 38 years old. And uh, he changed his career to uh, artist of Bizan Wellpot. So uh, he's kind of a rare person. <laughs> that's a very unusual career change, that's for sure. You know, maybe we can, uh, maybe we can find some way to interview him at another time. That would be really cool. Um, so finally, what are, what are your hopes for the future of this project? And maybe if you have any final message for our listeners. Yes, um, I'd like to try uh, the other style of sake making with uh, uh, this basin vessels. Uh, one idea is making uh, kijoshu or uh, making kijoshu re-brew several times, like uh, uh, old histories or uh, a bit more um, traditional style of 400 years. Uh, it's, it's kind of a very uh, tiny uh, laboratory or uh, tiny uh, experimental things. So um, it's not easy for to spread widely, but uh, uh, if you find uh, this sake somewhere, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like you to try that and uh, tell me what you feel. Fantastic. So there you go. There's going to be, um, in the future, I think there's going to be even more diversity. I mean, there's already a lot of diversity in the world of sake and, and um, what's out there. And of course, you know, appreciate that perhaps there's not as much um, available overseas still, but um, certainly I think thanks to breweries like uh, Kojima So Honten, there's going to be a lot more diversity and range for people to choose from. So um, the future sounds very exciting for sake. Thank you so much for taking the time for this interview, Mr. Kojima. Thank you for telling us your story um, about how this project started and, and where it's going and uh, introducing us as well to this wonderful artist, uh, Matsui-san, and uh, ho ho hoping perhaps we can meet him in the future, we can interview him in the future. Of course. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And that wraps it up for part one of this part two series. We will be back with Mr. Chobe Yamamoto from Yucho Shuzo in Nara, who are the makers of Kaze no Mori brand sake. Sake on Air is made possible with the fantastic support of Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center. If you've got a minute, please go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at, at Sake on Air. And if you would be so kind, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you enjoy podcasts. Any questions or anything you might have can be sent to us at questions.sakeonair.com. Sake on Air is a co-production between Export Japan and Potsuke Productions. Thanks again so much for tuning in this week, and we will be back again very shortly 
with a whole lot more Takehane. Until then, kanpai!